Let's, uh, sorry about that. Let's, uh, let's begin Parsha Shlach, Tavshin Pei Aleph. And, uh, we talk about the Miraglim. That's what this, uh, a lot of this Parsha is about. And, uh, that's what we'll start off with. The bookends of the Parsha, uh, Miraglim and Sitzes will take some of our attention tonight. We'll start off with two thoughts relating to the Miraglim in general. And then we'll get to some of the other details. And then we'll end off with two thoughts related to Sitzes. So we start off with the Miraglim. And all the Mepharshim, Rishonim and Achronim discuss what the root problem was uh, with the Miraglim. What was the attitude that was um, faulty? After all, Rashi notes that they started off as Anashim. They started off as as Chashuv, as important, as, as significant uh, men. And they came back as Miraglim. And the tragic story that happened, that Tishabov, many years, many years ago. So what was it? What was lacking in their, in their view, and what did Yoshua and Kalev have? So Rabbi Sachs, in his Sefer on Leadership, Lessons in Leadership, discusses this was the greatest collective failure of leadership in the Torah. Right? That's the Sefer, Lessons in Leadership. Every Parsha, he gives us a lesson about leadership. So here we have ten men who did the opposite, and they did not have leadership. What was it about them that was the problem? What was it? And he says, only Yeshua and Kalev showed this, showed the leadership. So what was it? Let's read towards the bottom. They told the people that the conquest of the land was eminently achievable because God was with them. The people did not listen, but the two leaders received their reward. Their defined statement of faith and their refusal to be afraid shines as brightly now as it did 33 centuries ago. What was it? One word. Confidence. Did they, a leader, say it this way, a leader needs to exude confidence and give off confidence to his followers and make them confident in themselves. That's what a leader needs to do, to be confident about himself or herself and give off the, the, the uh, message that you have to be confident about yourself and you could do it and I believe in you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu believes in you. And that's what Yeshua B'Kalev says, right? We could do it. But we could do it. And what did they say? What did the Miraglim say? We're grasshoppers. Right? We're, we're, we're small. We can't do it. We're going to fail. One of the fundamental tasks of any leader, from president to parent, and I'll add, teacher, right, boss, is to give people a sense of confidence in themselves, in the group of which they are part, and in the mission itself. And that's what was lacking in the Miraglim. They didn't believe. They didn't believe in themselves. They didn't believe in Am Yisrael. And therefore, they just gave up. And Rabbi Sachs continues on the next page that really this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because if we don't believe in ourselves, then we're not going to be able to do it. And it applies in anywhere in life. Riding a bike. If I think that I can ride a bike, then I'm gonna ha- I have a chance at least to ride the bike and to be successful. If I think I can hit the shot then I could do it. If I think I have a chance of, of, of making a good impression on this date, right, any, anything, then there's a possibility of success. If I don't believe in myself and I think that I'm just going to fall off the bike in the first second, I think I'm going to mess up, I think I'm going to miss, then I'm probably going to. Because attitude often is a self-fulfilling prophecy. The truth is that in no small measure, a law of self-fulfilling prophecy applies in the human arena. Those who say we cannot do it are probably right, as are those who say we can. 
If you lack confidence, you will lose. If you have it, solid justified confidence, right? not egoistic, but solid based on preparation and past performance, you will win. Not always, but often enough to triumph over setbacks and failures. We have to have the attitude. That is why the negative definition of Jewish identity that has so often prevailed in modern times is so misconceived, right? Sachs explains. Right? The, what, uh, how do you define you know, a Jew? A Jew is not this and this and this and this. No, what is a Jew? Not what isn't a Jew. That's what we have to focus on. And then he quotes others that also talk about this in the way of, of uh, optimism, but he says hope. Optimism is the belief that things will get better. Hope is the belief that together... We can make things better. And that's what we believe in. right? Not that things will get better by itself, but we have to attack and do our best to be able to make the, make the future a better tomorrow. No Jew knowing Jewish history can be an optimist. right? It's not it's like the Chazanish talks about in Emunah Bitachon. Right? Bitachon doesn't mean that things will always be good. Bitachon means that things will always work out according to what Hashem wants to happen. That's Bitachon. But no Jew worthy of the name abandons hope. The most pessimistic of the prophets, from Amos to Yermio, were still voices of hope. They knew what was going to happen, but they still tried to encourage. They still tried to pick up. They still tried to uplift. And then he quotes, we mentioned this thought in the past years from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Right? And others say it as well, but he quotes from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Again, what exactly was the root problem here? Why did they... They were Anashim. They knew HaKadosh Baruch Hu was going to be with them. They knew that Hashem wouldn't have promised them a land they would not conquer. So why come back with a negative report? And here he says another element of, of lack of confidence. Pashtus, lack of confidence, means fear of defeat. I fear I'm going to lose, and therefore I'm probably going to lose. I fear I'm going to fail, and therefore I'm going to fail. Rabbi Sachs says here, maybe there's an opposite idea as well. Not fear of defeat, fear of victory, fear of success. Sometimes deep, deep down, even though we want to win, we want to succeed, but we know that success will bring with it new responsibility, right? New, new jobs I have to do, and that's a little, uh, makes me nervous. And that's uh, you know, challenging even, even if I want to win, Right, what, what does he say? What was their situation now in the wilderness? Well, I'm sorry, skip, go back to 42. They were afraid of victory. What they said to the people was one thing, but what led them to say it was another entirely. Right, and what was their situation till now? They were in the midbar, they had mun, they had water from a, from a rock, they were surrounded by the Aniyakov, and everything is perfect and beautiful, and everything's favorite of And what are they about to start? Natural existence, realistic having to work for their living, fighting nations. That's, that's not what we want. That's not what, and what are we going to do? We're going to win, we're going to defeat the 31 kings, and then we're going to have to live a natural existence. So they were afraid of victory, not just afraid that they couldn't. They would have to do what every other nation does, live in the real world of empirical space. What would happen to a relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? HaKadosh Baruch Hu told them this is what he wants, but they were trying to outsmart God, so to speak. He would still be present in the rain and the blessings in the base of Migdash. They feared not failure, but success. And that's also something that we have to make sure we do our best to um, you know, overcome. This, said the Rebbe, was a noble sin, but still a sin. 
God wants us to live in the real world of nations, economies and armies. God wants, as He put it, to create a dwelling place in the lower world. I have enough angels. I have enough heavens. I need a place to live down here. I need a place to live down here. So, as he continues, they were also a fine exposition of a concept that entered psychology only relatively recently. Fear of success. We want to succeed. We tell others and ourselves. But unconsciously, we fear what success may bring. New responsibilities, expectations on the part of others that we may find hard to fulfill. We want to get the promotion. We want this. We want that. But sometimes, deep down, we're a little a little nervous. So we fail to become what we might have become had someone given us faith in ourselves. Confidence. Confidence that we could do it in any situation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu believes in us. We just have to believe in ourselves. And that was the chait, according to, according to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and according to Ezra Sachs, uh, expanded. Okay. Moving right along to another thought about the Miraglim. An amazing formulation from Reb Blumenzweig, the Rosh Hashiva of Yerucham, in his Sefer V'Hisalachti B'Sochachem, in source number four. And he quotes, many have explained and delved into the root issue of the Miraglim. And again, if we don't have a base HaMikdash still, then we're still in the same state. right? They rejected Eretz Yisrael, but Baruch Hashem, those who are back and are able to live in Eretz Yisrael, that's a schus. But if we still don't have all Jews back in the base HaMikdash, that means we don't love it enough. And we don't do what we can to try to, to try to, um, to, to bring everyone. Says Rabbi Blumenzweig, this parsha, the Miraglim, represents a transition. Or rather, it was supposed to represent the transition. Shlichus ha-Miraglim, hi nekudas mifneh b'ma'alcham shal b'nei Yisrael b'midbar. Larishona minasimede Yisrael lahaviras achalama gadol shel Eretz Yisrael alametzius ulahagshemes achazon shel Chrisa laaretz. This represented the transition from dream to reality. That's what's going on here in Parsha Shlach. There was a dream that was promised to Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, to everyone. Everyone of the Avos were promised. Eretz Yisrael were promised. Eretz Yisrael This was the dream. And they were now being sent out to see the reality that was the dream. And what happens? What happens sometimes when there's a dream, but when reality sets in, the dream is not exactly mirror images with the reality. They sent the Miraglim. We want to make it reality, so we're sending you ahead. They went with dreams and yearnings. And they come with a CPO with an expectation to see the promised land, to see milk and honey and beautiful and gorgeous. And what do they see? They see something that doesn't, according to their view, fit their dream. Right? They see giants. They see natural existence. This was the, what they took with them. They took them with them the dreams of hundreds of years since Avram Avinu. All of a sudden, boom, into their face. 
reality, which is not exactly what they had thought. Right? Maybe they didn't look underneath the surface as much as they should have. Maybe you have to work in order to make the dream fit the reality, as we'll get to in a minute. But that was the problem. Meaning, again, according to this shot, you don't have to say that they went in with a bad attitude. Maybe they went in with an attitude of, I can't wait to see this dream, and they went in with too much of a rigid attitude. Let's say it that way. It was too rigid. And this is something, as we'll see, applies to all of us in so many situations. How often do we have rigid dreams? And when the dreams don't fit our reality, we get depressed and we get upset, and we have different reactions. Mitzad achad. Let's get to the reactions in a minute. Mitzad achad. Sheik kazeh yoter tchushak feidashal hachmatza. On the one hand, we get a feeling of of delaying. Hachmatza mo'oreres razum lavin madua dvarim shkorakach. What happened? Why isn't this as I dreamed? Why isn't this as I saw? Hechanei mishtabshu. Tchushazo baladei bitui ba'ofan chazak v'chetam afilim. Right, what happens when I feel that the dream didn't happen? So I try to like make up for lost time. Something was delayed. So when Hashem says no, they say no, we're going now, and they try to go up, which is against what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted them to do. So, so what's the message? It's the Blumenzweig, bottom right. So what happens when our realities and our dreams don't fit with each other? Right? And source, and source number five. You got it? Right? Source number five. Page four. Lehi vatser shonim. There are opposite reactions that might come about. What's the, the easiest and maybe the most common reaction when the reality does not fit the dream? Just put the dream away. Forget it. I had a dream about a family. I had a dream about a child. I had a dream about a community. I had a dream about a job. I had a dream about a spiritual plat, um, hesig, something I want to accomplish. I had a dream about a Shabbos. And then what happens? I had a dream about a vacation, a trip. And then reality doesn't fit. So I could just forget the dream. Okay, forget it. It was, it was a dumb dream. It was foolish. And just give it up. That's one reaction to have. The dream must have not been in the world of reality. Just forget the dream. It's never going to happen. So I just have to just forget it. It's no use yearning for anything more than I see in front of me. Because my dream just must have been a warped dream that I shouldn't have had in the first place. That's on the one hand. Another reaction is to look at the reality in a different way. You know what? This dream, it's not, it's not here yet, but it's gonna be, it's gonna turn into my dream. The reality, I just have to wait a little longer. 
I'll wait a little longer, and in that way, then my dream will come true. Bain Tayyim, and meanwhile, I'll just ignore reality until the reality conforms to my dream. And neither of those are helpful. Because the first one is just Yeyush. And the second one is not having Yeyush, but maybe having false hope. That things are going to change by themselves. What are we, how are we supposed to react? Because it happens all the time. So how, is our, how are we supposed to react? This is a big problem. So where's the answer? He says you got to look at the end of the parsha. Tzitzis. Parsha tzitzis. As many point out, the same word is used. The same word. So obviously there's a connection between the two in parsha shlach. You know what the answer is? You know what the real reaction has to be? Not to forget the dream. Not to delay and hope things happen by themselves. But to review and look at reality in different ways. And to try to fit the reality into my dream. And to try to do my best to even influence the reality to try to fit my dream. Keep the dream, keep the reality, and try to do my best to get involved. And that's what Sitsis tells us. Because Sitsis tells us how to look at things. Uri'isamoso, excuse me. When you see things, uzacharatem is called mitzvah Hashem. The proper re'iya. Right? And the improper re'iyah. One of the six misses tmidios, according to the Sefer HaChinuch. You could look at reality from different perspectives. You could look at one as negative. It depends on your reality. You could look at the same thing, two totally, totally different perspectives. If you're sitting on two opposite sides of the shul and you're looking at the bima, it's two totally different perspectives. Right? If somebody, that's, that's the idea we mentioned, I think, recently, one of the shiurim of changing a, a place and, uh, during a, a, the year of Avelis, changing the makam kavua. Why? Why is that? Because when we're in a different spot, we feel uncomfortable. We're not used to it. We have a totally different perspective of everything around us. Right, and that's that's the idea. We're supposed to feel a little bit like in like in Gaulus. But that just shows we, we can see things differently, even in in the physical world. When we go from dream to reality, you're living your dream. Remember, dreams aren't built in a day. Dreams come over time. So too, the fulfillment of those dreams could take time. Not that, like, a perspective number two. Yeah, I'm going to wait until something changes. No, change it. We should change it. We should influence. We should get involved. Right? 
But then things don't work out exactly as I wanted them to. Tzitzis tells us, you know what? You see the blue. The proper re'i is to think about the sea. And then the proper re'i is to think about the sky. And the proper re'i is to think about the kisei ha-kavod. Uri'isamoso. Uzachartim is called mitzvot Hashem. Einayim, now towards the end, in source number six. Einayim she'echolos l'gasher al-arichok harav ben-achalom l'metzius. We have to have eyes that could somehow bridge the gap between the dream and the reality. Somehow, let me fit my dream into this reality. It's very, it's challenging. You know, we all have different personalities also. Maybe it's a little easier for people who are more relaxed and laid back. But for people who are not, it's a little more challenging to always see the good. To always see how the dream can fit in. But that's what we have to do. That's what Kalev and Yeshua teach us. See the dream in the reality. See it. And things take time. And see the depths. And see the potential. And that's what he says in the end. In every situation. One of the greatest misimots, jobs, avodos that we have. It's dafka shlichim that messed up. We are shlichim in this world. We are shlichus of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem put us down here to be mevatzeya et shlichus, natzlich laakshim et achalom. Hashem has a dream for us, and He needs us to try to do our best to fulfill that dream. Okay, moving right along, let's get to some of the actual psukim in the parsha. Okay, Yud Gimel, we get to the Miraglim listed, and Yeshua and Kalev try their best to defend. I think we've spoken about every phrase in this Pasuk in past years. Fayas Kalev, Salev silenced them, right? Rashi quotes, he stood up on a chair and said, you know what Ben Amram did for us? And they thought he was going to say something negative, and he said something positive. Why did they think that? He didn't say his name, Ben Amram. Es Ha'am El Moshe, the Meshachachma on those two words, El Moshe, don't think Moshe is a deity, right? Hashem could do it. Vayomer. But Kalev says this year, we'll focus on the next words. Alo Nala Vyarashnuosa. We could do it. Kiyachal Nuchala. Alo Nala Vyarashnuosa. We could do it. Rashi. Alo Nala Vyarashnuosa. Says the Rashi. Afilu Bashamayim. We could do it. And even if Hashem says we have to be, build ladders up to heaven, we could do it. We could do it. What is he talking about? We can't build ladders to heaven. We can't. That's an impossibility. What does it mean? Says the Menachem Sion, Rav Zaks, son-in-law. You could have the tallest ladders in the world. You still can't get up to heaven. It doesn't say you're going to build ladders up to heaven. It says if he tells us to build ladders up to heaven, we'll build the ladders. That's what Hashem wants from us. Build the ladders. And Hashem will help the, our derech to be successful. 
we have to do what we could do. This relates to what we were just talking about, right? What we were about dreams. We do what we can and the rest, the rest will be up to HaKadosh Baruch And this is, he says, two pshat, two, two on two different sukkim. The pasuk in Tehillim. Ekra leilokim elyon. I will call to Hashem on high. Lokel gomer alai. To the God gomer who finishes for me. Klomar, what is David Melech saying? Al ha'adam la'asos mitzido kol asher b'kocholasos. Do everything you can. Ekrol elokim elyon. I'll call to elokim. What's elokim? Elokim is always teva. The God of teva. So do everything that naturally you could do. Likrol elokim elyon. And then, lokel gomar alai. Call to Hashem who will finish it for you. Ed ma'ashalamala mikocha. Right, and that's the pasuk. Ve'racha asher shalakecha b'chol asher taasa. Yochav yil omidu batel. Will Hashem help you if you're omidu batel? No. Tamalor b'chol asher taasa. V'chulu, and he also continues and says that's maybe pshat in the pasuk in Bereishis as well. V'efshar lomar, and then he says, fascinating, a pasuk we say every day. V'efshar lomar shemehapasuk v'ayar Yisrael asayod hagdola asher asa Hashem imisrayim. B'nei Yisrael saw. The great Yad, and they were, in, and that's Kriyas Yamsuf. Did they say this? Pashtas, they said this after Kriyas Yamsuf, but it fits into what happened at Kriyas Yamsuf. They saw the Yad Agdola, Miramez. So Pashtas, they saw Hashem's Yad on a deeper level. They saw Batya's Yad. Remember the Gemara in Sota, Batya or Bisya. Baspara sticks out her arm to get Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara says, Nishtar Bavayada. Moshe was all the way out of, the, out of the middle of the Nile. How did she reach it? Miraculously, her arm, right, became elongated and went many amos. And the question is, what was she even thinking? That she stuck her hand out. She stuck her hand out. Hashem lengthened it. So what was she even thinking by sticking her hand out? She did what she could do and Hashem did the rest. That's what Bnei Yisrael saw. Vayar Yisrael as Hayod Hagdola, Asher Asa Hashem b'Mitzrayim. They learned from from Moshe's birth. Merames she Bnei Yisrael row as Hayad Shalbatia Basparo. She pashta as Yada Luumas Tevas Hagome. She stuck out her hand to Moshe. Lomroche Yada she Yada Ksara Megiel Teva. She knew that there's no way it could reach. Bechalzos he asta es Masha Hayah Efsher Lalasos. She did what she could. Go jump in. Do what you can, and Hashem will do the rest. So you have to say that this is referring to earlier, that they recognized, they remembered. We have to do our parts. We have to do our part. Interesting, both in the water. They remember Bati in the water, stuck her arm into the water to save Moshe. We have to go into the water to save ourselves, says the Menachem Sion, to do everything that we that we could do. Okay. Next page. Interesting question. We'll start off with, it's a question of the Chashuk Echemed. 
Rav Zilberstein and Baba Basar Kufnun Chazi had the following Shaila. Reuven Hamid Gorer Bechutz Laaretz, go to source of Menoyen, then we'll come back to eight. Reuven lives in Chutz Laaretz, Zachal is Barak Mishnei Shulchanos, he has Bo Shulchanos, meaning he has Gashmias, he has Ruchnias. Ulam Davarachan Meiv Al Simchaso, Beno Yechido Shenola Leisik Nuso, Mit Kashem Od Blimudo. His young child is having difficulty in school. He's not having success in his limudim. It's he has a. It's not. He's, it's not. It's not working. It's not working. His learning is not working. His topic reuvedim kedailo lahavi is beno bebein azmanim lebikur beEretz Yisrael v'ulai yiftach mocho. Would a trip to Eretz Yisrael help? Help him with his learning issues, as Chazal say. Avira de Eretz Yisrael machkim. The Avira Eretz Yisrael makes one wise. So again, obviously, it's always good to come to Eretz Yisrael for many different reasons. For visit, for Yishev Eretz Yisrael. But would Avira de Eretz Yisrael help? Meaning what? Does it help with just a visit or do you have to live there? That was his Shaila. Avira de Eretz Yisrael machkim. Maybe that's only Ladarimba, Vololam of Akrimba. There are two days in the Mongan of Ram and Hilcha Shabbos whether there's a kiyam of Yishev Eretz Yisrael, the mitzvah, if it's just a bikur, right? If it, is it called a dvar mitzvah for getting on a boat a couple of days before Shabbos? Okay, maybe it's totally on that, but this is the question of Hashuk Echemed. Right? Is, there, is there an idea of avir Yisrael machkim, even uh, if you just visit? So, where would you look? How would you... Know? He says, it's an Imre Shefer on Parsha Shlach. Beautiful, Rav Shlomo Kluger. So let's learn Rav Shlomo Kluger. Now you have source. I see he quotes the whole thing, but I gave it to you in source number eight. Shlomo Kluger has many, many svarim out. One of the most prolific uh, darshanim and poskim that we have in Ha'elf uh, Shlomo is just his most famous. He took a thousand of his chuvas and put them together. But the Chachma Shlomo on the bottom of the Shulchan Aruch always has fascinating questions and uh, and svekas. So says the Emre Shefer. If you look in the pasuk, it's fascinating. If one never focused on this before, if you look in. So what happens? Parakid Gimel is, is what happened. It's the fight between Yeshua and Kalev and the Meraklim. They say, no, no, no. And they say, yes, yes, yes. We can't do what we can. We can't do what we can. And finally, the last words were done said by the Meraklim. So what are the reactions? The people cry. That's their reaction. And they complain to Moshe and Aaron. They say, what do you do? We're going to die. Why do you bring us? Let's go back to Egypt. Unbelievable. So the first four psukim, B'nai Yisrael's reaction. What's the reaction to their reaction? Moshe and Aaron fall on their faces. Fall on their faces. For Yeshua ben Nun, we call it ben Yifune, minatar mesaaretz, karubigdeh. Yeshua and Kalev tear their clothing. Why the different reactions between Moshe and Aaron and Yeshua and Kalev? Right? Why did Moshe and Aaron fall on their faces and Yeshua and Kalev tore their clothing? That's Rabbi Shlomo Kluger's kasha. I'll, add, I'll, add, I'll throw in another question. Why does it have to em- emphasize min hatarim We know where they came from. We know. Yeshua and Kalev, from those 
Oh, there was a different Yeshua and Kalev? A different Yeshua bin Nun and Kalev bin Yifuna? We know bin Atharamasaurus. What's the Pusik emphasizing by saying that? Says the Imre Shefer. Achine Inyan, line six. Inyan Kriyas Begadim Mora Al Avelos. Rachman al We know that tearing clothing is a, is a din of Avelos. Right? When one starts Avelos, why tearing clothing? Kriya and Avelis is only after one dies. When there's no coming back. When there's no changing. But there's even a, a Gemara in Masechus uh, Nidarim around that Pezayin or so where the Gemara talks about where somebody hears that their relative died and they tore Kriya and then they find out a second later that really they had just fainted. They hadn't died. But now they died. So, Yotzi, the Gemara says, Toka de Dibor, it's good enough. But if it's not good it's not good enough. But, but Kriya has to be after the death. Why? Because when you tear something, that's finality. That's definite. There's no Kriya. There shouldn't be any Kriya if there's still hope. Right, Eicha was written by Yirmiyahu, some of it before. So why did Yoshua and Kalev tear their clothing? Because they knew it's all over, it's done. There's no coming back. Moshe and Aaron weren't so sure what they do. They fell down, maybe that means they davened. The Davin, they didn't tear their clothing because Moshe and Aaron thought there was still hope. Yeshua and Kalev saw the clarity. They saw it's over. They saw, you know, it's, it's not going to change. How they know that? Why did they have the clarity of vision? Well, Moshe and Aaron didn't, says Rav Shlomo Kluger, because they just came back from Eretz Yisrael. Minatarim es And when you're in Eretz Yisrael, avirat to Eretz Yisrael is machim. And it makes you wise. And he quotes the Gemara that talks about it. If somebody goes to Eretz Yisrael and then comes back to Gaulus, oh, it's even better, strong. So they saw more. That's why they were Korah Big Dehem, because they, had, they realized, you can see on a natural level, they saw what happened over the past 40 days. They knew it wasn't changing. Well, Moshe and Aaron, you know, still had hoped. And that's why the difference of reaction. Says the Chashuke Chemet, says of Zilberstein, oh, what do you see from here? Avir Deret Yisrael applies even if you're just visiting. Because they weren't living there yet. And Rosh Kluger applies it to our circumstance. So it's great. We see this and we're like, yeah, it applies. But he, he knew the, the Imre Shefer. Right, I didn't quote you the. He quotes the whole thing, so I just gave you the first few lines, and then give you the end. Unless you say that they went in there Amanas to live, okay. But either way, he says maybe it's even even not to live permanently. Okay, let's continue. Says the pasuk now. See after the tragedy. Moshe Davins to try to save them. Moshe Davins, and Moshe uh, mentions the Midos of Hashem. Right? The Rishonim compare these Midos with the Midos of Kisisa, because they're not the same. 
Hashem, there's only one Hashem, no Hashem, Hashem. Hashem, Erech HaPayim, Rav Chesed, Nosi Avon Vafasha. V'nake lo yinake. Poket Avon avos albanim al shileshim al rebeim. He remembers the sin of the father on the children. So how is that? The children are going to be punished for the father? So Gemara says only if they continue the father's sin. If the children continue the father's sin, then they will be punished for the father's sin. That's what the Gemara says. Question. But that's still not fair. That's still not fair. I should be punished for my sin. If my father does something wrong, so what that I continue and I do the same thing that my father does? Why should I be punished for his sin? So the Dubna Magid, not the Dubna Magid, I'm sorry. The Vayomer Avraham, quoted here in the, uh, we put it in the Torah, but Vayomer Avraham, Vayomer Avraham is the father-in-law of Rav Ovadia. Chacham Ovadia, Rav Avraham Fatel. Right, the Savior Vayomer Avraham. So here he quotes a marshal. Quotes a marshal. Again, why is the father getting, uh, the children getting punished for uh, their father's sins? Says the, Avram Fatal to uh, the, the Mashal. Pamachas There was a very hungry lion. I think that's a book. And the lion wanted to eat the fox. The fox says, The fox says to the lion, I'm a skinny little animal. I don't have so much flesh on me. Look at over. Look at that guy. Look at that man over there. He's geschmack. Right. He's delicious. Right, Adam Gadol Gufishamein. He's a Balbasar. You know, go go take care of him. Mutav Kisokhaloso, Vitena Yote, you can get more. Hey Shiva Arye, the Arye says, Halo Asar Alin Alecho Basar Adam. For so for the Shakach, no, Hashem said I can't. Hashem said I can't go eat people. No, animals have to eat animals. Amar Ashur, the fox says, Awachalak Shosh Mizet, don't worry about it. Kiha Onish lo Yavu Alecha, Ella Albanecha. It won't go to you. You'll be fine. It'll go to your kids. Because after all, what does the Pasuk say? Avos yochlu boser, The fathers can eat whatever they want. The children are going to pay for it. Right, they'll get the cavities. So don't worry, it'll be your kids. So what happens? The lion starts going to the person. And what happens? He gets caught in a trap. He gets caught and he falls into a trap on the way to the person because the person had it, had himself protected. And he's sitting there in the trap and he starts screaming and he starts roaring. And he calls up to the shul and he says, "You sly fox, what do you do, shakran shekamoscha? You told me I'm not going to get punished for what I do, what I did." So the fox says, "You're not getting punished for what you did." Nena shul, no ones eshabai lecha, einenu biglal chato echa ata. It's biglal chatov shalavicha, asher torah adam b'shaita. Your father ate a person, and that's why it's on you. Nistari Ari, the Ari says, what do you mean? Why should I pay for his sin? And the fox says, but you were about to do it anyway and not worry about your kids. So that's the cycle. The cycle is if we do something which negatively affects, but, you know, every generation has that, says the, says, Vayomer Avraham, and that's how they can be punished. Because if we sin and we disregard we disregard the future. No, nobody's perfect. Only four people were perfect. So there's always a little shemetz. There's always a little shemetz that, that goes to the children, but, you know, it goes from every generation. And therefore he says a harifus, that uh, the fox and the lion, you know, everything works out. Kedasu uh, kedit. Okay. I think we've mentioned this thought in the past from the Saba Mikelm 
other svarim that quote for the Saba or the altar, depending where you're from. But um, but we'll mention it again because here it's in the Sefer Lasani Basanugim. He quotes from the Saba Mikel. What happened? We alluded to it before. Vayashkimu vaboker. After they were told they can't go up, they say, you know what? Let's go. Let's go now. They get up the mafilam and Hashem says, don't, no. No, don't go now. I don't want you to go now. And they went up anyway and they were pushed back. Right? They were pushed back and they were not successful. Hashkimu vaboker, pasig mem, vayala roshahar, alinu lamakom, asherem ha-Hashem kichaton, and Moshe says, lamatayotem over, and Hashem, you love slitzlach. They go up and it's not successful. And the shaila is, what changed so quickly? No, 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 we can't go, we can't go, it's a terrible land. Hashem says, okay, fine, you're staying here for 40 years. No, 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 we'll go, we'll go. What, what changed? Why weren't they scared anymore? So the Saba Mikalm says, it's a, it's a, it's a Pasukin, it's a Maimer and Chazal. Greater and harder is to be commanded to do something than to not to be commanded. To do it voluntarily. What does Tosa say there? Whenever this comes up, because when we have to do something, we have a greater Yitzhahara not to do it. The Yitzhahara doesn't want us to do it. So we have a mitzvah to do, he'll get up. If we don't have to do it, okay, do whatever you want. You're not doing a mitzvah anyway. So while going to Eretz Yisrael was a mitzvah and they were supposed to do it, and Hashem commanded them to do it, the Memela, they had a Yitzhahara and they, they succumbed to their Yitzhahara. Zetivo shal Adam. But once there was no more tzivui, and they weren't going anywhere, so all of a sudden now it's easy to go. Right? It's easy to get up early to catch a plane to go on vacation. Right? To get up a minion early on a winter day when it's dark outside and it's cold. When we have to, that's not so easy. Godol Says the altar from Kelm, we have to do our best in terms of what we have to do, not just what we want to do. Okay, let's finish up to see if we have time to, to squeeze in. The last two thoughts, we're not going to read the whole thing, they're long sources, relating to Tzitzis. Relating to Tzitzis. First from the Meshachachma. Again, this is a major Meshachachma. Let's see, just to quote a couple of the salient points. What's the message of Tzitzis? Says the Meshachachman, This is what I think. Hashem in his ultimate wisdom. He created an amazing world. He taught which would reflect God's wisdom and perfection. And that only He is independent existence. All the worlds he created, they are rigid and they are defined. They don't change. The sun and the moon and everything is, is exactly as Hashem did it. Except this world is svugi. I'll translate that as malleable. Right? Able to be shaped. Like a piece of clay. What does that mean? It depends on us. That's how Hashem created the world. That's how Hashem created the world. We'll finish the job. Because Hashem wants us to perfect the world. Hashem created an almost perfect world and we have to do the last 
part. And when we perfect, throughout history, there have, the world has taken on a different, exi- different existence. Right? When the world is perfect, there's no rainbows. Because Hashem doesn't want to destroy the world. When the world is perfect, then people could have 60 babies at once. Remember the story in Oveda Dome when the Aron was there and they knew to, David knew to take the Aron back to, up to Yerushalayim. Shimon ben Shetach, the, 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 the barleys were huge. What, why? Because in all those generations, we worked with perfect harmony with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyachol, and therefore the world responded. Right? A specific mitzvah, that's Rabbi Kiva Antonis Rufus, right, uh, has a discussion that we perfect. We perfect the worlds. And again, this is by Mila and by others. But we perfect the world. Step one. Step two. Hashem hides himself in the world as if it has a cover on it. And through our actions, we have to uncover Hashem. Top left. Habriya bechlala matzanu lahakasuv shemechane ha'atzilos harishonam shemalbush. It's as if Hashem clothed the world. Ote'ar kasalma. Right, Hashem covers the world and we have to remove the, the covering in order to find Him and to remove the covering for the whole world. Just like clothing covers a person, so to Lahavdil, the world is covers, covers Hashem. And we have to uncover the world, so to speak, to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And to show the world HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But that's our job. So Hashem, again, did 98%, but the world is svugi, like a sponge. It moves when you touch it. We have to be mashlim that. Says the Meshachachma. So creative. Tzitzes are strings at the edge of our beged. As if there are some threads, just a couple of threads that Hashem leaves us to tie up ourselves. The whole world is the whole world. But we have, Hashem leaves us a few threads to, to tie up, to finish the beged. To finish the baguette of the world. That's tzitzes. That's why it strings. It has to be a baguette. It has to be a baguette. Because that's what the world is compared to. Line 32. Ubitovahalakhadarhu. <laughs> continues, but our job is to sow that baguette, to finish up what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do. There are threads that have not been that have not been used for sowing yet. That helps out. He says a lot more there, but that's the Meshachachma. Right? The world is created 98%. We have to finish up the loose ends. The loose ends that's left for us and the tzitzes represent to us the loose ends. A parallel idea said by the Nesiva Shalom, the Slanam Rebbe, just quickly, where he talks about how, right, we know that there's, there are a number of mitzvahs. Revolbi has seven mitzvahs that are all connected to Torah Kula. These mitzvahs are connected. Torah, Shabbos, Frismila, tzitzes, a couple of others. So Shabbos, you understand, that's connected to Torah Kula. And Torah, why tzitzes? Why tzitzis? Why is that connected to Kala Why does tzitzis give special protection 
right? The Gemara in Menachis that somebody was about to sin, and since it's protected them, so says the Slanimarevi. Interesting minhag that we have. When we put on our talus in the morning, we wrap ourselves in it all around us. We surround ourselves with our talus. So yeah, that might have a halachic basis. Atifas Yishma'elim, you have to wrap it around. And, but maybe there's a deeper idea here. When we wrap ourselves in our talus. Because he quotes the Arachayim HaKadosh. We mentioned this years ago. This Arachayim HaKadosh, Rav Salvechik says the same idea, based on a Gemara in Masech Shabbos. The Gemara Shabbos describes in the Sugyas of Hotza'ah, there was a certain type of signet that Avadim used to wear. And the Gemara talks about whether you can wear that, you know, to show that you're an Eved. It shows that you're a certain level in, in society. Are you allowed to wear that outside without an Erev? Is it bottled to the Beged? That's the Sugya. Kavla da'avda. The Orachayim HaKadr says, in this week's parasha, the end of Shlach, Tzitzis are our Kavla da'avda. Tzitzis is our signet that we are Avde Hashem. It's our identity. Uzachartem is called mitzvah Hashem. And we recognize only on a four-begged garment, because we recognize Hashem is on all four corners, He's in charge. We are an Eved regarding all areas of our life. And that's why we wrap our talus around us. Because it's to symbolize this is all-encompassing. Most mitzvahs connect to one part of our avoda. Tzitzes, with the gematria of 613, with wrapping ourselves in it, with being on us every second of the day, being an external simon on us that we could see and others could see, is to be made that we're Avdei HaMelech. And if we're Avdei HaMelech, we have to show it, we have to be proud of it, it's our kavla to Avda, and that's a protection. That's a protection that we have when we have our tzitzes on. You hear that that we remember, we look at our tzitzes, we, we are zocha to, you know, to tie up the loose strings that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us, have the confidence in ourselves as we started off with, making sure that our dreams fit the reality, right? And not just forget our dreams, but we have to work, right? And make the reality into our dreams, do the best that we can. Some of the messages here, Parsha Shlach. Okay, we'll stop here. Hashem, we will continue.